This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hi, everyone. Hi, Luke. Hi, Jenna. Hi. What's happening? Hey, guys. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, everyone that's joining us today. We have a very cool, special, styled out, as always, guest, Luke Story, with us today. So to introduce Luke, he is a lifestyle design expert, transformational speaker, kundalini yoga, yes, and meditation teacher, and host of the Lifestyle, the Lifestylist podcast, which is epic. Everyone has to check that out. Jenna and I are obsessed. So for the past 22 years, he's been relentlessly exploring all corners of the earth in search for the ultimate lifestyle enhancements for top performance, health, and fulfillment. Luke. Hot damn. That Hot was, damn, that baby. That was good. Yeah. We are going to pick your brain today because we want all of that. All of it mixed up. I in admire our your your courage to do that like live on the show. I always do those bits separately from the interview because I'm afraid I'm going <laughs> to screw it up when I do the read. Oh, good job. Yeah, we, we kind of embrace. We do um, good under pressure. The little spontaneous. Sometimes. That's cool. It's it's always very interesting being on other people's podcasts. I think I've been on like sixty or something at this point because I I get to learn everyone else's process and mine is so sort of backward and strange compared to how a lot of people do it. It's fun to, it's fun to be on the other end of the mic. I agree. Uh, and Jenna and I had a feeling we were on someone else's podcast the other week and I could um, relate. It felt like we were being hosted in someone else's home rather than constantly hosting people in our home. Right. Yeah, and it was really right. sweet. We could just relax and answer questions. And when you have to worry about it, the technical stuff or mm-hmm. preparing, it was really fun. So yeah, it I, is interesting. I totally get that as well. Um, So thank you for being with us today. I cannot wait to just pick your brain on all of this stuff, how to live the best life possible in every area. Who doesn't want to? Yeah, exactly. This is a foolproof plan over here. Jenna, do you want to kick us off with the definition on biohacking your life? Yes. So this is my definition of biohacking your life. And Luke, I'm going to ask you after if you have anything to add, because you might. Um, But my definition... Taking your health into your own hands at the cutting edge of technology and nutrition and experimental research. I think that's pretty good. Yeah? That sums it up. Yeah. Okay, to good. me, it's... I mean, back when I started in all of this stuff, uh, you were just called a health nut. <laughs> that was the thing. I was like, oh, that guy's a health nut. Like the, the old dude that hangs out at Erewhon back in the day. This was like back in the 90s. There was always these old hippie dudes. And I was like, oh, that guy's a health nut, Um, you know, buying like more vitamins than food and stuff. But yeah, I think of it as just kind of getting an understanding of the basic systems in your body. And um, rather than having to take your body to the mechanic to get it fixed, i.e. surgeries, pharmaceutical drugs, hospitals, doctors, all of that, you, you kind of sort it out yourself, you know, preventative care rather than, you know, just falling apart and then having someone patch you back together. Mm-hmm. I love that. Jenna and so, I had this huge philosophy that we can, we all have the capacity to heal ourselves emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually is kind of part of our evolution to work out the roadblocks for our own self and using our intuition as a way to kind of, as your compass to try unravel the mystery. Yeah. You and say. you know, it's like the way that I mean, where we're speaking purely about the physical and not the metaphysical part, the way our 
Western system of medicine is set up is you get, you know, about eight minutes with your doctor. If you go to your general practitioner, you're like, hey, I have this, I have this, I have that. They go, cool. They either write you a script on the spot or they send you out to a specialist or a number of specialists. And then you kind of chase your tail on all these appointments, spending time, energy, money, when you could just take a little time to kind of learn about your own meat suit vehicle and take responsibility for it. I think that's the thing that I have always been attracted to when it comes to what we, we, now, we now call biohacking and formerly called just being a health nut, um, is that you're not as reliant on a broken system. Mm-hmm. It's one thing being reliant on a system that works, right? I mean, there are spiritual teachers that I've been reliant on and their teachings work, and I'm very happy to be reliant on them to a certain point. But when it comes to the body, it's nice to be able to just sort it out yourself, like telling you know you guys today that I was a little under the weather. I mean, I would have to be so, so sick for a really long time to go to the doctor. I know what to do. You know, mm-hmm. I do breath work. I take two saunas a day. Nice. I take a cold shower. I have all these crazy ass supplements and devices. And I would probably be like, oh, oh. oh I no would worries. probably <laughs> have, you know, some sort of thing we could label the flu or something if it wasn't for those other interventions. So what will probably be. A one, I'll take care of it. <laughs> My dog just puked on the carpet. You guys listening? Or... P.S. Cookie is chucking up. <laughs> she she Poor she got baby. a little uh, baby on a paintbrush in her mouth, and then oh. I think that was oh it was a gag it. maybe. Um, Cute I'll, little thing. I'll okay, take care of it. <laughs> Don't worry. She, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I actually am biohacking Cookie too. Oh yeah, today. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm. Well, I've got her on a keto diet, which is like the. I mean, that's what dogs are supposed to be on if they're wolves, you know. Um, a lot of people feed their dog grains, and it's problematic. But I've also been doing something called deuterium depletion on her, which is, like, probably something we don't have time to explain. But I did a six hours worth of podcast on it recently. Really? Wow. Yeah, and it just involves keeping her on a grain-free diet and giving her this special water called deuterium-depleted water. Um, so she's been quite healthy, and I've been able to alleviate her allergies up until today. <laughs> uh, As you will hear. Yeah. And this morning I gave her a little um, reishi mushroom, like a tiny, tiny oh, bit. Oh, wow, Microdosed her. Yeah. Um, well, it was only a reishi mushroom. It yeah. Not, like no, not a, a psychedelic mushroom. mushroom. Oh, well, no, I know. But you can <laughs> microdose The other like day, though, I, I, I had a funny, funny dog story really quick. Just speaking of biohacking dogs. So I'm a new, I'm a new dog. <laughs> this is my, my first dog. He's a new dad. Excuse yeah, him. Yeah, I'm a new dad. So I've had her, Learning I think, curve. like four months. And uh, I was taking a drive to Ojai the other day. And um, I got her in the car and she loves taking rides. Like she just looks out the window. I mean, she's always super happy. And I got her in the car and I went over Laurel Canyon and she was like <laughs> panting and her heart was beating, you know, about halfway up almost to Mulholland. And I was like, what the hell? God, this is so weird. She's such a good traveler. And so I thought, man, I'm going to pull her over and give her some cannabis oil. You know, um, I have this a friend of mine that was on my podcast, has a company called Medicine Box. And I take like very tiny doses of that, not to be psychoactive, but just for the health benefits. And so I had it in my bag and I pulled her over and I gave her some of that to like calm her down. Cause I thought she was having anxiety or something. And then I let her, <laughs> I walked her for about five feet and she just completely like sprayed the sidewalk, um, out her rear end. And so what had happened, she had like the runs and really had to go. And that's why she was freaking, but I felt so bad. Oh, yeah, it wasn't I the went, cannabis oil. No, no. That, and <laughs> okay. then after that, she didn't even need that. She just had to go to the bathroom oh. and she was tortured because she didn't want to shit in my lap as I was oh. driving. Thankfully, she's Let's such a good girl. But then what's funny is, um, you know, it's like an hour and a half to two hour drive to Ojai. And then once I gave her that oil and she got out and did her business, I put her back in the car and 
it must have been about an hour later. I was like, where's the dog? And she was just like laid out, out in the back. Yeah. Because she's only 12 pounds. And I probably gave her like a small person dose. So she was probably <laughs> shit faced in the back seat. Sounds so. fun to me. Only way to drive to Ojai if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Um, <laughs> the worked. ultimate companion. So anyway, um, I digress. But I, no, I, I I'm, I'm into health and I'm into solving problems. And it's just, for me, it's just a hobby too. It's fun to be able to have a friend or loved one that is having something going on. And like my house is basically a alternative health naturopath clinic. Even though Sounds like my dream. My credentials are purely like anecdotal, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, just from years of experience and finding what works and what doesn't. But yeah, any of my friends come over and it's anything from like, uh, you know, I have, I'm nauseous, I have diarrhea to my neck hurts to my hormones are off to whatever. Interesting. Dr. I, Luke. I, yeah, I have... I have a treatment for just about everything that could ail one. I mean, apart from, you know. How much of your intuition stuff. do you think plays part in being the compass to um, diagnosing or offering people remedies? Yourself, your friends, cookie? You know, not as much as I would probably like hmm. because I live by intuition and spontaneity so much of the time otherwise. But I think when it comes to health challenges that are that people are having it's actually a little bit more of a um intellectual process kind of looking at the clues and tracing oh so you have a runny nose okay do you eat gluten you know and then i start Mm -hmm. kind of going down it is a little actually a little bit more logical Mm -hmm. but the other side of the whole thing too is that the mind over matter and placebo is so powerful that's the thing i've even like the last two days i felt a little off and i've I always struggle with whether or not to even tell anyone. I think I tell people just to get sympathy, to have an excuse to be 15 minutes late when I came here today. (laughs) Um, You know, it's like you just kind of want to let people know, hey, heads up, I'm not my full self right now. Or just because, you know, you want love and you're just like, hey, I need need good energy coming at me. Oh, we love you. You're feeling okay, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, but I always struggle because I don't like using terminology. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a cold, Mm -hmm. I'm getting sick, I have Mm -hmm. the flu. Like, I am statements are so powerful to the Mm -hmm. subconscious. And Mm so... I'm often struggling with how to convey that without giving energy to um, the thing that I'm not desiring at that moment. Speaking into what you do want. I am healing from something right now. That's a good one. I like that. Mm -hmm. I'm upgrading with this shot of oregano oil. (laughs) (laughs) I had had a lot of oregano today. Yeah, probably too much for my stomach to handle. Wow. Uh, Oh my gosh. Your place sounds like the ultimate playpen for me. Amber has a look on her face right now. She wants to go. I'm obsessed (laughs) with all of that alternative technology or... Yeah, just, um, yeah, I also am into the concept that we can empower ourselves through research information and trial run, really, and intuition to, to heal ourselves whenever that, whenever that needs to happen, rather than outsourcing. Of course, there are times when we need to outsource and thank goodness for, for Western medicine and surgery, Like if you get shot in head. Yeah, but yeah. time generally yeah. we're handing out trauma, power over trauma and injuries. I mean, that's, I always say like, cause I, you know, I'm sort of, I mean, the tone that I have and the content I produce is pretty irreverent and real. And I'm always thinking, God, I'm going to offend all of the Western medicine doctors to the point where if I get a broken leg and walk into the hospital, like, Oh, I thought you didn't need us. You know? <laughs> yeah. Blacklisted <laughs> in all the hospitals. Yeah, yeah. They're probably not listening to your podcast anyway. Probably not. But for the record, please throw me in an ambulance if I crack my head open or something mm-hmm. like that. But that for, is. for internal issues, I mm-hmm. mean, just, you can sort out so much of it yourself. Mm-hmm. That said, um, I don't want to learn how to work on my own car 
at all. I don't care how my car works at all. And when something goes wrong, I'm, I happily take it to the mechanic immediately. But with your own body, it's like you kind of are your car in a sense. And Mm -hmm. so, and your emotions and your spirit are so much tied into it that I think that's why I'm more into understanding the inner workings of the body and how everything's connected Um, more so than I am like, I'm not going to like clean my own house, work on my own car, <laughs> fix my own refrigerator. Like I don't, I outsource everything humanly possible. <laughs> so funny. Except my own health and well being. I you think know? it's an exciting journey. Like I take on my health journey as a challenge and an, an adventure and something exciting to uncover more and learn more and apply more and experiment and find, you know, considering your unique constitution, what is the formula and the remedy that is going to move you into for you, your ultimate space, vital health and, you know, everything, spirit, emotional. It's fun. It's kind of it like is. this big choose your own adventure. It is. It's fun to also research thing and, 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 and things and find what works and be able to pass that on to other people. You know, I kind of like being the guinea pig where I'll try things, even sometimes that have consequences. <laughs> what's Uh-oh. the craziest? I want some stories. Me too. There's something what's behind the, what's his the eyes. What's the craziest like, thing that you've tried? I don't want to recommend something to someone unless, no. unless I've done it. So right. when it comes to some of the more experimental stuff that, you know, couldn't, I don't want to say dangerous, but could have potential side effects or backfire even in, in, in any capacity, I want to do it first. So for example, something I would not have recommended to anyone had I not tried it was, let me see if I still have frog medicine. Scars. Yeah, where are they? There oh, they yeah, are. There I can see. Yeah. One, two, three. So, yeah, I have the scars ceremony. on my arm still. So there's something called a cambo or combo frog ceremony. It's South American medicine stuff. Um, Is it the same as bufo? No, I think that one makes you trip balls. Oh, yeah. What's yeah, this one? That's the DMT frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is no. the getting well, right? Yeah. You're purging hardcore. Yeah, this is putting a deadly poison into <laughs> your lymphatic system, not your bloodstream. Now, if you got this frog venom from the Amazon, from the Cambo frog. If you got it in your blood, from what I understand, you wouldn't be around very long. But um, what they do is they take a little stick and they burn um, holes about the size of like a pen. It's like a pencil size. What? You know, like imagine a pencil eraser that's white or red hot. And yeah, like goes, a cigarette burn. Almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you put either five to seven holes in your skin, which Lord. just gives access oh, yeah. to your it's lymphatic trending. system. It's trending. Is it, is. it really? Oh, yeah, in LA, for sure. Well, oh, that's I mean, funny. Okay, so I want to hear how this played out for you. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> how it plays out is that was the last time I did it. First, <laughs> first and, and last. last. You, it's recommended that you do it three times, oh. but after one time, I was like, yeah, I get it. I'm good. Uh, Tick, moving on. Yeah. Next you, extreme. Wait, what was it supposed to do? Well... You purge, right? Yeah. You you vomit profusely. Uh, I did not vomit, but there's buckets, kind of like an ayahuasca ceremony. You know, there's buckets there for the people that do purge. But I didn't throw up, and I actually sat there. It lasts for maybe 10 minutes, and you just feel like you're dying. It's the worst, worst experience ever. I mean, I can think of anything that feels worse than the cambo frog when it hits you. Is it, is it like a psychological feeling like you're dying, or is it like physical pain? No, physical. Oh. It's like... It's like the flu times a zillion. <laughs> it's uh-huh. the worst feeling. But the idea is that you're introducing this foreign poison into your body and it it supercharges your immune system and is just a huge shock to not only your immune system but also your nervous system. And so it just upregulates all of your senses. And so the... Uh, you know, in the shaman, shaman, what do you call it? Shamanistic tradition in the jungle, the way they do it is they do it before they hunt. 
And so they do it to keep well, mm. but also to have more visual acuity. Mm. Heightened senses. Yeah, I, and it really does that. It's crazy. For about two weeks afterward, I was driving around LA like Jason Bourne, just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? I'm so, uh, so alert and focused and had this insane mental clarity. Um, but yeah, I didn't throw up. I was just, I was so uncomfortable. And you're just like, God, let it probably like the male version of labor, you know? Oh, <laughs> just, damn, you, know, you went like, in deep then. But not that long, not that long. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, when's this going to end? Oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, you know? And then I just ran to the bathroom and evacuated out of the other end and um, <laughs> quite violently. And uh, and then and then you kind of come out of it and you feel great. It's, you feel great? Yeah. Better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Better than before you took it? Yes. But the people that are really into it and the proponents of it, I mean, they claim, you know, then you you just don't get sick anymore and you have like this really um, insanely powerful immune system. So mm. that was one of those things that just, that was one, you know, when you're asking about intuition, I was thinking more of like a diagnostic tool. Like you're like, hey, I have a little scratchy throat or I'm getting a lot of cramps or whatever it is. Like I wouldn't use intuition so much for that. Like, oh, let me feel into this. When it comes to the various treatments or modalities that might be applied to myself or other, that's more where the intuition comes in. And so when I'm presented with something like, hey, we're going to some hippie's house in Topanga to like inject ourselves with poisonous frog venom, you in? That's where I use... <laughs> Sounds like a good time to me. <laughs> that's where I use the intuition. It's just like, hmm, you know, then I, I wait for that subtle charm. Is it a 51% yes? That's enough. 51% is all I need. If it's 49%, I'm out. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how it is. There's this little needle kind of boing, this We pendulum. call that our resonance test. Yeah? We do that. I mean, I've, it's probably a bit different for men and women because you are hardwired more from the logical brain to move that way. And naturally, yeah. we're more wired to our emotional brain and our heart. I, I mean, I don't want to generalize. Yeah, I mean, in general. Oh, yeah. yeah, so for I, I women, I fair. think it's, it's, we really use that as our compass <laughs> in everything. Sure. What to eat, what to wear, what to, if to go to that or not, what is, where is this coming from, this sickness? Or, mm-hmm. So we probably use it a lot more. It's in the forefront guiding us more so than than you but you know it's funny i think for that reason and i'm i'm not like politically correct i believe there are two genders and those genders have inherent traits not that you can't override them but like let's just be honest you mean you're not We're, into gender neutral are I'm you in, judging you call me as a yourself, woman right call now? yourself whatever you want <laughs> it's like none of my business but what i'm <laughs> saying is i i worked in an industry with there was 95 percent women for 17 years and i can tell you for example women multitask a million times better than men oh yeah and men are generally better at loading the truck and like True. spatial abilities and have, you know, the body size and strength to do things like that. So I very much appreciate those things, but there is a fluidity to it because a man like me can learn through various practices to have access to your intuition mm-hmm. and more of those feminine, subtle energies. And you can use that. Mm-hmm. And likewise, women can cultivate masculine energy and go kick ass and start a corporation and take over the world with totally. that energy too. So, And women are more, you know, it's more socially acceptable for women to sort of take on that masculine energy, but it's less socially acceptable and more helpful and necessary for men to sort of recognize that divine female energy within them and, and begin to embody that as a divine male. You know, it's so. true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing <laughs> is totally not on, it's, well, it's biohacking, I guess, biohacking your, your, uh, polarity, you know, yeah. but the thing is with men, yes, y- 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 you know, depending on what part of the world you live in and your, your culture, I guess, where you live, but yeah, men are generally shamed from having, for having access to their more feminine energies. Um, but also a lot of men, especially 
men that are quite artistic and, and whatnot tend to lean so much into their feminine energy mm. that they kind of lose their backbone. And totally. So, Amber and, doesn't like that. And I really don't, <laughs> do I don't know any <laughs> heterosexual women that are really attracted to men that are just all like, oh, everything feels great. Like mm-hmm. they want that stability when, yeah. when the shit hits the fan and there's a fire, like <laughs> they don't want intuition. They want someone to break down the goddamn door and take care of business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get out the ax from Grab the, the baby, run. Totally. You know? I agree. And, but to just my counterpoint to that is like, there are women who are more in their masculine, just as that, that man in your example would be more in his feminine. So maybe his perfect partner would be a woman more in her masculine, ready to break down the door. You know, That's true. So I think if you make a conscious decision about kind of like, or even not, if it's even uh, not even verbal, but it's understood, like at times the, the door kind of swings both ways mm-hmm. and you, you each are able to play with those. Yeah, to me, it's in the awareness of understanding that because I, I when I was younger, I was off, I was an artist and musician and stuff and was completely irresponsible and on drugs. And so I was, I would say way more in touch with my feminine energy. And mm. so I would attract women. I mean, I'm talking like back in my twenties. Yeah. And then I hated them cause they were like a mother figure. They hated me cause I was like an <laughs> errant little boy that they had it. to like And did they be make mindful you feel emasculated because oh my they God, were in yeah. the masculine oh, role? Yeah. It was horrible. It was horrendous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, then as, of course, I got older and matured and learned, just learned about these kind of things and became aware of them, then there would be in relationships where you have conversations about it. And, you know, I'd have a girlfriend that was maybe in her masculine energy at work, but then would come home and like transform Mm -hmm. into a fifties housewife. And we would talk about that. And Hmm. And and just out of interest, the communication, I think is everything and self-awareness, you know, huge, everything. And out of interest, the more you started cultivating balance between your masculine and your feminine moving away from attracting more masculine women, did you find yourself pulling in more feminine women oh, when 100%. you became more in touch with your masculinity? It's 100% for a long, long time. Yeah. Is that interesting? Yeah. When I get in the presence of a woman that has very strong masculine energy, we're very repelled. Hmm. It doesn't like that. We would never end up doesn't having a coffee. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's just yeah. like, we might get something done. Like, Hey, let's do a project. Let's kick ass. But Never would there be any kind of like attraction or chemistry. You know? I love this topic. I find so fascinating. Jenna and I did a episode on um, the divine union and talking about this, discussing this concept and how important it is to look within our own selves and find that balance rather and at, at the same time with your partner and how to find, you know, grow from your partner's masculinity and vice versa, which we've just covered, but just saying how important it is. And how and how fun too to be aligned with someone in a way where you can explore those energies and communicate about it and mm-hmm. and um you know again like we were talking about with the physical health is like having autonomy and a sense of responsibility and ownness over your own health you can Mm. also have that over your own energies and know what you need to do to put yourself back into balance well and balance is a great key concept because i'm sure in in our health and the bot in our health and also in our masculinity femininity it's all about achieving balance and equilibrium and getting that in a good flowing state right that's what tantra is all about is it i mean a specific style of tantra I feel is all about allowing the masculine to explore the more sensual feminine sides of himself without being ashamed. 
you could do it secretly if you wanted to, like wear your girlfriend's <laughs> panties to work one day, even though you're like, you know, in, in a suit and a really masculine kind of guy, but just yeah. allowing yourself to feel a little bit like feminine in that way and vice totally. versa for the woman. And that does open up a whole different level in the relationship with yourself. And then obviously it gets mirrored out in the partnership. Yeah, I get that. I, you know, anything to me that expands you is good. Expansion's good. Contraction, not so much. I agree. Definitely true. You know? Good, re- good resonance test. Are you expanding or are you contracting? Yeah, and that's that's how I kind of go through life. I mean, just on a moment by moment basis. And like we we're talking about intuition of making a decision to do something or not do something or move forward with a relationship of any kind or a partnership or anything is like mm, is being able to tune into that and feel. If you're in alignment or not, mm-hmm. it, it saves so much time. So much you know time, what I mean? I like I used to get myself involved in so many stupid things in business and just, oh my God, through my, you know, my twenties and thirties, I just mm-hmm. turned 48. So the 40s have been a lot more dialed in than the, those last two decades where I, I accomplished things in certain ways in my career and things like that. But now I feel much more in sync. Life gets better. The more you know yourself. And, yeah. and the less mistakes and wrong paths you're walking down and you sharpen that sense of intuition, life just becomes smoother, totally more fun. Well, I want to know from Luke the story of how you even came to be a biohacker and how, like, what was your health? You've told us a little bit, kind of glimpses, but what was kind of your arc of storyline that led you to be where you are now an expert in what you are now? Number one thing is when I was a little kid, God bless my mom, who's amazing. Uh, she used to, I don't know, she, I, I think she told me, one of, one of my grandmothers told her, you know, you need to give kids vitamins or something like that. And um, I wasn't breastfed, unfortunately, which I just found out recently. I was horrified to find that out because huh. I thought, God, how smart could I have been if I you know, totally had, had the proper nutrition? Yeah, I've done okay for myself and I, I think I'm fairly bright, but... God damn it. I felt robbed. So, um, aside from that, so, you know, my mom was always looking for ways to supplement my diet and give me really good food. And she was into health food and vitamins. And this is, you know, I was born in 1970. So it really started when I was a really little kid, five, six years old. My mom used to give me these giant handfuls of vitamins and minerals and stuff like that. Um, some of which I would take if she was watching, but I was sort of like a, a mental hospital patient where you like stash them. So she would walk out of the room <laughs> and I would throw all the vitamins under the rug. We live with my grandmother. I and hope then, you didn't have a dog lingering around eating them all going insane. Right. We didn't have a dog. Okay. But years later we, we moved out of there and um, we moved that rug and there was just like a, a graveyard Pharmacy. of hundreds of dollars worth of vitamins. Wow. How do they never notice before? I was good. Wow. You were good. That was good. I got a, I was very sneaky when I was a kid. I was very devious. Uh, but anyway, that, you know, I, so I was, One parent was like that. And then my dad was like a cowboy in Colorado and uh, he ate really healthy food. He was, you know, like neither of my parents ever ate junk food. My dad was really into going to hot springs and Mm. he always belonged to like a a spa sports club Mm -hmm. and was taking saunas and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, you know, my dad was and getting massages. You know, my dad was like a big self-care kind of guy, which is weird because he was such a rugged, like badass 
dude. Um, Divine union within his I know, his I can self. see that in you, like the cowboy. <laughs> Maybe it's because I saw you in Mercado Sagrado and I'm like thinking cowboy, <laughs> but I can totally picture it like that. Yeah, a little of it rubbed <laughs> off, you know. Plus, I think my name is kind of a cowboy name, Luke, you know. It always makes me think of cowboys. But anyway, so both my parents were kind of health conscious to a degree. I mean, they both like did a lot of things eventually that were not so healthy. But that's where it started with me of like, oh, you can do things that are other than just eating some food to feel good and take care of yourself. And then fast forward through a life of um, abject suffering and self-torture and suicidal depression and drug addiction and sexual abuse and trauma and everything horrible that could happen in someone's life till when I turned 26. And um, I'm totally fast forward through a huge part of the story, but in the interest of time... <laughs> All the juicy bits. yeah. Well, but that, in the interest yeah. of time, I mean, I just was someone who's very unhealthy mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, just completely dead by the time I was 26 years mm-hmm. old. So there's, you know, many years of kind of a downward spiral there in so many ways. And Saturn's then, return is coming up. What You know, whatever the return was, uh, <laughs> it was a rude awakening, but I, I made a decision to, to change and I just, you know, I couldn't, I, I became aware that my life was like slipping through my fingers, mm. you know, it was just like the hourglass was coming to an end. Mm. <laughs> the sand was like empty, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like trying to create a visual. It's just one of those feelings where... Or in, even in like in a cartoon or a movie where someone's in a boat on a big river and it's about to go over a waterfall. Mm-hmm. And that was the feeling I had when I was 26. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but something, it's about to get really, really bad. And it was already quite bad. So, so I, you know, I sobered up and, uh, and when I did that, then I really got into detoxifying and cleansing and herbalism and all of the sort of health practices that were popular in the nineties. And then also really exploring spirituality because, you know, you check yourself into rehab, they tell you, listen, the only thing that's going to save you is God. And you're like, oh, what? Do you have any? <laughs> I remember, I remember oh. being like, how about some Dilaudid? <laughs> like, do you guys have, <laughs> can you do better than that? They would literally tell me like, oh, you're having a hard time. Go, go to your room and pray, like get on your knees and pray. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What is this little house on the prairie? Like, come on. But I did that and it worked, you know, and I was, mm. I was saved and I've been a free man ever since, you know, and so uh, that was the big awakening for me spiritually and then started to realize that you can't have one without the other. And so um, first out of desperation of like, I got to get this stuff out of my body and doing saunas and colonics and I mean, just like hardcore cleansing and then learning all types of meditation and visualization and studying spiritual literature and just being in recovery and all of that. Um, there was a certain point at which I realized like, wow, I'm actually happy and I'm healthy and now I'm able to help other people. Mm. And so I was able to take so many of the things that I suffered from and with and transmute them into gifts that then and now I'm able to pass on to other people. So it was one of those things where it was like first out of desperation and suffering and now it's just because it's so fun and exhilarating to, to overcome things that I'm still working on and to grow and evolve, but also be able to alleviate other people's suffering when you know the answer, whether that's like, you know, a runny nose or insomnia or anxiety or depression or addiction to anything. I I have a lot of solutions, you know, that work. And so it's, it's cool. It's amazing now. And then now it's, it's like, I just pinch myself sometimes because I actually make money doing this, you know, because I I did this for 20 years for free, just for family and friends and people that I cared about when someone's suffering. It's like, I know what that feels like. I have so much empathy for pain. Um, And then I would do that. And then the world sort of created a trend around Mm -hmm. health and wellness and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this is a thing now. All these weird things that I've been into all these years now 
20 year old girls are doing it on Instagram, you know? And I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess, I guess I'm kind of an OG, like biohacker, spiritual seeker and finder. And so I can create a community and an audience and share that information and, and make a, you know, a brand and a business out of it. Well done. Your whole life has been preparing you for this moment, right? Everything. Yeah. And that leads me to the question. Do you feel as though your soul chose to go that deep into the darkness in order to propel you that far into the lightness? Oh, absolutely. Because the desperation and commitment with which I've had to apply these practices um, would not be accessible had I not suffered enough. Being at rock bottom. There was no way Yeah, and I meet very few people that are... I mean, health is one thing. Usually, you know, there's a health. Let's take the physical and metaphysical. So someone has a scare, they get cancer, and they catch it in time, and they're able to get rid of it. Like, they're never going to eat McDonald's again or smoke cigarettes, right? So there there are those kind of wake-up calls. Um, And then there are some people that just, you know, they're fitness people, and they like being in shape and feeling good, and so they take the health route, even though they've never really had any problems. But the people that get hardcore about their health are usually people that have had some life-threatening illness. Yeah, mm. um, and then likewise on the more psychological and spiritual level, I meet f- a few people here and there that are dedicated to meditation or yoga practice or mindfulness or a prayer or a religion or whatever the case may be, just because it feels good to be a nice person and be generally happy. But the people that go all in. And really have those awakenings and those deep, deep core surrenders are usually people that have suffered existential crisis mm-hmm. over and over again until they finally get beat down enough to go, okay, I get it. Like I have to find some Reset. relationship with God. I have to have an orientation to life that is more than just the physical, you know, and that's been the case for me. Yeah, I look back on every horrific experience I've had, painful experience I've had, and I just go, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It makes sense. Yeah, and what's it. what's cool about it is it's not only now in hindsight where I go, oh, I see why I became a drug addict because that was the way that I was going to find God in one short lifetime. By the time I was 26 years old, I knew that there was, I knew that the existence of what we call God, because it's an easy short word, I knew that that was real in a visceral, like core level, you know? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good to be able to have that experience by 26 and then oh to gosh. to build on that now all these, you know, 20, almost 22 years later. So wow. that is a gift. But the real gift is to be able to be in um, a period of adversity, a period of struggle, a period of getting your ass kicked mm-hmm. and having patterns revealed to you and, you know, or even just the loss of an attachment or whatever it is and still be able to find the lesson in it while you're in the middle of it. So yeah, I often tough. find myself going like, hmm, wow, I'm really uncomfortable. This totally sucks. I wish I was not feeling what I'm feeling or experiencing what I'm experiencing. But even in those moments, I know like, cool, just stick with it. You got this. Because in 30 days or 60 days or six months or a year, you're going to look back and go, ah, I get it. That was so necessary to experience that loss, pain, attachment, discomfort, whatever it was to take me to where I am. So that's the real gift, I think, is to be able to live it in real time and know, oh, this is just an amazing lesson slash test right now. And just to sink into feeling uncomfortable and allow oneself to feel that and experience that fully, knowing that if you can have the perseverance and the courage to to move right through the eye of the storm, that not only is the duration of that storm going to be much uh, 
shorter, but the lessons are going to be immediate. Mm-hmm. And then those are lessons that you can carry to someone else much faster and much more effectively because you've been there. You're yeah. not like waving your finger like, oh, you're depressed. You should meditate more. Like, the you compassion. Know? Yeah, you, you, you can relate. Yeah. And that's what makes brilliant teachers where they've been there to the depths of the darkness and you've had that brokenness, the addictions, whatever it may be. Yeah. So such compassion and relatability and... Yeah, it's incredible. And as you said, the only way to really work out the breakthroughs coming from the breakdowns is to have your eyes wide open. And so what practices do you instill to your life, your daily life, to keep your eyes open so when you are in the eye of the storm, you see it for what it is and you see the lessons and the breakthrough sooner than, <laughs> you know, it doesn't take you down like yeah, it probably yeah. would have. I'm having a hard time listening to the rest of the question because I wanted to stop. You said something so amazing. It was a dope tweetable or quote of some kind. You said <laughs> you, you, you have the breakdown to get the breakthrough. I yeah. Think, oh, I've never heard that. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's our big belief system. And Damn. now when I, I'm Gotta in a breakthrough. that episode of ours. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a heavy one. It's it's great. Nice twists in that one. Lots of drama. But um, yeah, I, I kind of get excited. At first, it's obviously overwhelming and confronting and uncomfortable, as you said, when I'm moving into a, break, a breakdown in my life. But then because I'm so used to the concept of lessons and blessings that come through breakdowns and that's the opening for the breakthrough, I start to get excited and think, oh, okay, let's decode this. Let's read between the lines. Like what what is being presented to me that is uh, the greatest blessing? And a lot of the time it's, you know, obviously all to do with your evolution and your opening your heart and healing what's being triggered. Well, I think in terms of practices to answer the question is, uh, I mean, the number one, and it's almost like it's almost lost its umph because so many people meditate now, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Thank which goodness. is, which is a great awesome. thing, but I'm like, hard. I'm thinking, isn't there a sexier answer than <laughs> I meditate? But it, it really is, you know, having an orientation to oneself that allows you to bear witness to the phenomena of your personality and the mind and the ego, and to be able to create that gap of separation where that gap, um, you know, at first happens in the practice. So I'm meditating and then you see the mind going, bah, 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 and you know, you see that you're seeing, well, who's the one seen? And there's that, that's the first awakening. Like, oh, there's a me and there's a mind. Mm-hmm. There's a me and there's a feeling. There's me and there's an, an emotion, a sensation, right? Mm-hmm. There's me and there's my multitude of personalities that I put on in different situations to feel safe or get what I want or whatever. Like all of that humanity that you're able to experience but then get that gap of separation from and then it's off the cushion and then you're in line at the bank and you're like yeah i should just totally kill everyone right now because why is there one goddamn teller in 17 stations and rather than getting all your knickers in a twist about it you're like oh there's my mind just finding fault and complaining and just Mm -hmm. the negativity bias right Mm -hmm. um so using I mean, I don't even know what mindfulness means anymore, especially because I just interviewed a guy and he was like, yeah, what about this McMindfulness? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Making kind of, you know, this like commodity of mindfulness, um, which is, you know, funny, but it's a great thing. But it it really is. It's it's like a living prayer or a living meditation so that even in a moment of, of discomfort or pain or having a breakdown, as you said, it's not even like getting through the breakdown and then having a breakthrough. The breakdown is the breakthrough because there, there's that 
witness perspective of awareness that's present even in the midst of tears or pain or loss or suffering or whatever you're going through. Mm. It's like, no, I'm still witnessing that phenomenon with that separation. And meditation has been, you know, when I just say a broad term of meditation, like the practice, but also just the living practice of contemplation and doing the dishes and watching the mind drift off into some form of negativity or fear and then go, oh, no, 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 come back, come back. Sort of like taking care of my dog, you know, that's like the mind. <laughs> just, you know, you, You're a good you dad. Have to, you have to be aware of what the mind's up to, but not take it too seriously, mm. you know. So it's like if the yeah. dog, you know, barks or whines, I'm like, you know, I don't like drop everything and freak out. The dog's just being the dog and the mind's just being the mind. Mm-hmm. And so... The monkey mind. Yeah, I mean, my mind's, you know, it's funny still. I, you know, I was thinking about this taking a walk yesterday. I used to live, oh my God, it was so painful. I used to live with so much resentment. My mind, I mean, if someone, if I perceive someone to wrong me, hurt me, cheat me, try to harm me, I would obsess about them and just, just fume mm. and fume where I couldn't sleep. And all I could think about was that person and getting revenge on them that I was never going to act out anyway. You know, but just the fantasy of revenge. What and, star sign are you, Luke? Uh, Scorpio. Oh, okay. Well, that also works that, for that. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And yeah, and then I was walking down the street, I was like, holy shit, it's so rare that I get a, you know, a grievance with someone like that that my mind grabs onto that I can't let go of. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're able, I'm able to diffuse those things so quickly now. And it's like, oh my God, what a, what a sense of freedom that is. And so I think... A life of contemplation, of self-awareness, of being mindful, watching your thoughts, bringing meditation and and prayer, and also a conscious contact with God. I mean, that's mm. I always like try to dance around that. I'm I'm learning how to become less apologetic about. I you know I will try, I'll say fifteen words <laughs> to say the word God to like don't say the G word yeah, to, <laughs> to make everyone comfortable. It's like no, you know we're what we're comfortable yeah. with that, and our and our listeners are comfortable with that. Too, yeah, so it's just. It's it's just like meditation is a way of interacting in the physical realm and having an orientation to that experience. Well, also prayer to me is the same thing. It's not like, oh, I'll go over here in the corner and pray like they told me to do in rehab. It's like right now I'm praying right now. I have a very acute, not acute, that's the wrong word, a very tangible palpable experience that God is in the room with us and that there's God in you and in you and in the dog and even in the space that we're in. In fact, there's nothing here that's not God. Mm. And so even if now I felt uncomfortable or something happened that was displeasing to me or I was having some you know, drama in my life outside of this room, I still know that I'm safe and I'm protected no matter what my feelings are telling me, no matter what my mind's telling me, because I'm tethered to that grounding rod which is god it's a conscious contact it's like always having one finger over here on god and awareness Mm -hmm. just like i'm aware of both of you i'm aware of these three microphones that computer but i still have a piece of awareness on cookie who's over in the corner of the room even though i don't have to devote my attention to that Mm -hmm. you know it's the same kind of thing Mm -hmm. so the practices are really more realizations and ways of being in the world and like, oh, I'm going to go take a specific set time to do a practice. It's being a practice mm, and learning how that. to integrate more of that and, and, and live that so that in the moment of discomfort, there's a purpose to it. And that's what gives me, I think, the perseverance and the, the courage to withstand the storms of life is that 
I know that God is that problem and that lesson. I know that God's getting me through it. And I know that there's value in it and I can derive the lesson from it even in the middle of it. It's not like I have to wait two years and go, oh, now I look back at that business deal that went bad and I see the lesson. Sometimes it takes a while, but often the lesson is in it. Mm -hmm. And that, as I said earlier, that shortens the duration of that experience. You can move through things much faster, move to forgiveness Mm -hmm. much faster, move to love much faster. Just to to add to that, it's like that witness consciousness that you're talking about, that compassionate, neutral witness that witnesses the things that are happening in your own mind. It's like sometimes if if you're not living in that, like you said, if that's not a living practice for you where you're living in that witness mindset, then sometimes when something happens bad, like a bad business deal, it might take you um, two years to have that uh, level of just witness of that, you know, because you're so in it that you can't witness it for two years. But if you're living in that witness consciousness all the time, then you kind of witness it as it's happening just to Not sort to of yeah. things reiterate what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Things and that's, dissolve. I mean, that's such a gift. I mean, that's true alchemy. Oh yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a goddamn superpower. That's and sometimes, true. you know, you, when you just, or at least for me, that's just, I don't know. It's just the way I do things and the way I associate to reality. So to me, it's just normal. And I'm always kind of still looking at ways that I can improve on that or, you know, shadows that I'm unaware of in my personality and my experience that, that need to be brought to light or things I need to work on. But what's amazing is when you live in that space and you're around people that are newer to having that experience, you have this really transformative um, effect on them from just being in the room. That's weird. And, and I find that sometimes I actually um, experience that as the one who's holding that space now where I used to have to go see a teacher or, you know, fly to India and sit at the feet of a guru to feel that energy field of someone who's in that place of surrender and is living from that place of witness. It's really cool to be able to kind of operate like that and watch the effect you can have on um, a situation in which there's conflict or discord and, and you can work with that energy and have an awareness that that's in fact what you're doing. Now you're the sensei. It's and, cool. Yeah, and we yeah. can all be that. You know, it's not like we have to sit at the feet of a guru. Like we are actually into the guru free approach, which is kind of like we can find that within ourselves and embody that. And um, the more people that do, it's just going to raise the vibration of the planet, really. So let's go for that. Totally. <laughs> I can imagine kundalini yoga as a practice Ooh, really yeah. keeps your body and mind in alignment with that space of the witness and, you know, higher vibrational space. It's, it's like, I mean, I've done Kundalini with your same teachers. We, we spoke about yeah. um, Tej before. And it, I remember the, the trail of magic that used to um, follow me when I walked out of a Kundalini yoga class just gets you in a space where you are living as that witness. Mm-hmm. It's crazy powerful. Yeah, I forgot to, to mention that. I'm actually, uh, it's funny, driving out here to the West Side, I was reminded I have my second week of teacher training here at Rama in, I think in a couple of weeks, it's like the second week period of a three-week three-week sessions. And um, yeah, I've been doing that for a number of years. And it's funny because I don't really, I mean, that's the great thing about that practice is you don't have to necessarily adopt the accoutrement of being a kundalini yogi, but I'm finding There's myself like, I'm a kundalini yoga teacher. I've been practicing for like seven years. I never wear a turban. I don't wear white. I go into class. I'm like, you know, my all black rock and roll self or whatever. Really? That is actually making a statement in itself in a way. I mean, I'm just... 
I'm just representing me. the polarity. I, right. I'm just doing me. I, I'm a godly person. Totally. And, and I agree. I would not want to wear all one thing just because someone told me to. So Yeah. Um, and also my teachers have said, dude, do, do what you want to do. Yeah. But you would probably get, like Tage, for example, I interviewed her on my podcast. I think it was number 12, like one of the early ones. And I was like, okay, what's up with the white thing? And she's like, it's not a big deal. You just, ha- you just have a bigger auric field when yeah. you wear white. And that's why I wear white. She's like, wear whatever you want. But... I bet if you tried it, you would be able to see the difference. And then I remember a few months after that, I went to a white tantric, like all day, super intensive thing. And, you know, I didn't want to be... In Arizona? No, I was out here at oh, UCLA. Oh, cool. I didn't want to oh, be the... Oh, I went to that one year as well. Yeah. UCLA. I didn't want to be the one jerk in the room, like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> concert shirt and like black sweats, you know? So I was like, cool. And I did the whole turban and stuff. And I remember walking around, you know, UCLA is quite beautiful too. Mm-hmm. It's a great, you know, it's a... It's a gorgeous campus, and I remember walking around. I was like, "Oh my god, this really works!" Like I do feel different because I've worn all black my whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, today I'm a little colorful, but I People was like, look "Oh, there's at you differently as well." There's a psychological right. association with white, angelic, open people. Really, you attract different people and get a different vibe of people. That's I true. feel with like color therapy, if you can look at that. Yeah, that's true. And so uh, that practice has been huge for me. And it's something that I've, I've started to incorporate in workshops that I do and stuff like that. So I don't know exactly how it's going to play it out. You know, when you read my bio, I put that in there because I'm like, anytime I do anything in public, there's some element of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I'm going to be like at your local Kundalini yoga studio every Tuesday night or something like that. I don't know if that's my path, but it has been a really powerful um, practice. And oh. I think for me, what it's really done because sometimes people go, why do you do it so much for so long? And the number one thing it does for me, aside from just the obvious of moving your energy around, is it it's really open to my heart mm. and my capacity to give love, my capacity to receive love. And it's done so even almost against my will. You know, so many of those, so many <laughs> of those. That's a strong practice. So that's... many of those exercises that you do, those kriyas, man, as crazy as it sounds, because oh, they'll be man. like, Yogi Bhajan says, this takes you to the 10th gate of the universe and you spin <laughs> around Saturn and, you know, you've, you've been a billion lifetimes, you know, all this crazy stuff. And it's like, really? I mean, where does he get this shit? I'm not sure. But one thing I can say from um, my own subjective experience is that my heart is like so mm. open I mean, to the point where it's like not able to be closed again. Beautiful. And I started to have that experience um, about two to three years ago where, you know, I had always been kind of protecting myself and only allowing a certain degree of intimacy in my life. And it actually started to become like almost physically painful to withhold that expression Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, because it, it wants was cool. to flow. The- yeah. And then it was like, okay, well, now and then I realized that I had no idea how to do that. <laughs> I didn't really, yeah. I didn't have a framework by which to do that. And so that's, you know, I've been figuring that one out and it's going well. But um, yeah, Kundalini is amazing. Super powerful. It changed my life. That was one of the things that completely set me onto my true healing path from a seriously broken place as really? well. Yeah. Oh, it catapulted yeah. me into such just pulling off the layers of old programming and hurt and stories and grief, just like, you know, as you said, you can't help but pour all that negative patterns out. It's it's a really powerful reset button to bring you back into your heart and align your mind with your heart as well. 
yeah. found it super, super powerful. I've cried a lot of tears in Kundalini yoga classes. Tears and, are great. And laughed a lot too, you know. <laughs> I've mean, had like ecstatic, spontaneous laughing fits for no apparent reason. Laughter and crying is the same release according to Joni Mitchell. So really? Throw that out there. Cool. Yeah. Love that. I dig that. Well, evidently we've got about five minutes left. Luke, do you want to hit us with the main biohacks that yeah. people yeah. can people apply to their life? Mm-hmm. I do. There's two categories of biohacks that are effective. Uh, one category would be on the techie side of devices that you plug in a wall and most time pay a lot of money for and that have positive effects on your physical health. The other side is the aligning yourself with nature side, uh, which is for the most part free. And so I'll start with some of my favorite free ones because I think that it's better for people to have access to those. And really those are the ones that that have the biggest impact anyway. Um, Number one is building an awareness around exposure to blue light after dark. This is in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, we're going to be looking back on the days of incandescent light bulbs, LED light bulbs, fluorescent lights, computer screens, which are also LED. And the fact that we're Exposing our eyes and our brains to midday sun when it's 10 p.m., 12 a.m., 2 a.m., this is the biggest F-bomb to the human body that we've experienced in in our lifetime. And so we've evolved for a couple million years to um, have it get dark when it gets dark. And you have firelight and you have starlight, you have moonlight, that's it. And so um, the negative effects of being exposed to blue light are absolutely catastrophic. And, um, and go much deeper than just affecting your melatonin in your sleep. It's your whole circadian rhythm. And our circadian rhythm was designed by nature and God to keep us in alignment with where the planets are moving, where the sun and moon are moving, and our appropriation to that cycle. And when that's off, there's no way you can fix anything with your health. So the number one biohack is to have a little discipline and like, don't be a fucking wuss and like, just find a way when, cause people are like, Oh, I'm not going to wear blue blockers. It's like, dude, it's so easy to actually mitigate blue light. You have to make a few adjustments and then it just becomes automatic. I just, I don't even think about like walking in my house and turning on my bright, like blue daytime lights on after dark. I just notice, oh, it's dusk. That's interesting. When it's time to turn lights on at night, I just turn on amber and red lights in my house. Well, light a few candles, get the ambience yeah, going. Yeah, and if, I'm, if I go out, I just have some cool glasses. My, my buddy Maddie from uh, Raw Optics makes, they're like dope Saint Laurent prescription glasses. I wear those when I drive. No one really even knows that they're anything biohacky. So I just really don't hardly ever expose myself to what you call non-native blue light. And that, I think, is one of the cheapest ways you can like severely alter your health for the better. And have you felt a difference in your own health since you've been on that protocol? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you really notice when you're, when you're doing that for a while and then you walk in Target or something at 10 p.m. or whatever and you're like, oh, my God, this is so unnatural. This <laughs> is so heinous. Because it's not... See, there's two parts to it. It's not just... It's not just that we're being exposed to um, spectrums of light that that are in the sun at night, but it, they're very narrow, toxic spectrums that don't actually exist even in sunlight. Mm, they're wow. very narrow spectrums of cold light, cool light on the color spectrum, which we call blue light. It looks like white light, but it's blue to your brain. And um, it just doesn't exist. It's an alien form of light. And 
much of your body's regulatory systems are controlled by the the light that your eyes and your skin are exposed to. So yeah, it's huge. Uh, the mm. next one is is working with breath and oxygen. You know, people don't realize how <sighs> under oxygenated we are and. If you carried around a pulse oximeter and tested it on your finger all day long, most people would find that they're breathing so uh, shallowly, if that's a word, Mm -hmm. um, that they're under-oxygenated all the time. And then this affects the pH of your body. Everyone wants to drink alkaline water to change your pH. That's not what changes your pH. What changes your pH is oxygen. Mm -hmm. It's getting the CO2 out and more oxygen in. Chlorophyll is good for that as well. Yeah, it is. It is. So developing some sort of breathwork practice is huge. That's a free biohack. I just did it today in my sauna. Doing it right now. (laughs) I feel better already. Yeah. Another... um, usually free biohack is exposing yourself to extreme temperatures. So taking saunas, infrared saunas, ice baths, jumping in freezing water, taking cold showers, uh, like we've become accustomed to artificial lighting after dark and it's totally unnatural. It's also very unnatural to live at 68 degrees your entire life. Well, anyone who's local to LA is screwed because it seems like it's one temperature all year round. It is, usually. yeah. And, and unless your people originated around the equator where it's generally always hot and there's not a lot of temperature fluctuation, uh, that would be you know a very narrow spectrum of humans in terms of our... Um, our evolution, we're meant to be exposed to the elements. So mm-hmm. that's another thing about getting in alignment with nature. So you can do ice baths, cryotherapy, jumping in a freezing ocean. Anywhere I go, I love road trips. Anywhere I go, I'm I'm looking. I always look on my GPS for the blue bodies of water. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And I love I'll, it, man. After my own heart, I, I love it. I'll yeah. see I'll a rest stop, <laughs> and I'm just like. I just get naked, jump in the freaking Amazing. water wherever I am, you know, and then I get sun. You would sun. love those forests with the cold plunge and then the hot plunge Oh, yeah, situation. that's my favorite. Or that's... Finland. They have the saunas and the freezing cold mm. Baltic. Yeah, yeah, And so exactly. what does that do to you physically? That just ignites your oh, whole lymphatic system? Oh, it's just so invigorating, system? yeah, and it's, it's, it strengthens your nervous system, you know? It's like I can get into an ice bath that's 35 degrees. I, cool. I step in there. And I just sit down and I take a t- couple deep breaths and I'm totally relaxed. I mean, it feels uncomfortable. I would start hyperventilating. Yeah. I don't think well, I'd that's be what relaxed. people do. You put your average person in an ice bath, and I'm sure I was the same way at first, too. They'd go like this. <laughs> like they yeah. literally panic, but it's all in your mind. Mm-hmm. So if I can get in an ice bath and just go, <sighs> and just, you know, within 20 seconds, completely surrender to that and build that vitality then the parking ticket the the letter from the irs the you know the things the things the things that happen it's like literally can meet those experiences with equal equanimity because mm, you've learned how to withstand stressors mm-hmm. you know? i love that they actually make yeah. you do that in prep for labor they make I you was hold about to ice say, i was about yeah. to say you would be excellent at birthing yeah but just just the concept <laughs> of like the breath and surrendering into the discomfort and the technology of opening when you do that and putting yourself in ice baths i'm and sure stuff you like were that. like a midwife in your past life that's that's interesting you know i bet there's a really strong correlation there I, obviously having a male body i haven't experienced that but I can imagine that because as we were saying before, expansion is the key. And Especially when you birth, get, you yeah, exactly. Open it all up. When you get in cold water, the natural tendency is to contract and like totally. freak out. But if you can really like relax and mm-hmm. go parasympathetic in there, I mean, that's something that's completely, it's an unnatural environment to be 
relaxed in, but we have the power of free will as human animals where we can actually take control over the nervous system. So um, in in closing on the natural ones, um, let me just add the blue light is getting sunshine. Mm -hmm. We've been brainwashed primarily by companies that sell skincare or um, sunscreen since about the 1950s that the sun is bad for you and it's evil and it gives you cancer. Unless you live in Australia where everyone has skin cancer because the ozone layer is super thin. It's like nearly non-existent in Australia. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so in those places it's quite legitimate, but it's um, discounting the power of the sun. I think, once again, it's about balance. So in these places, sun, as you're uh, I'm imagining getting into, has such an incredible, um, it's medicine for us. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, because your, your entire body has photoreceptors. It's not just your eyes that need natural, you know, daylight that's not behind glass, sunglasses, contacts, eyeglasses, these windows. Like we're not actually getting natural light now because UVA, I think it's UVA, there's UVA and UVB is cut off by glass. It's really interesting. So um, human beings generally don't get enough sun. Now that said, obviously you don't go out in the sun and get burned. You find shade, you wear clothes or whatever, but... Um, most of the cancer that people get is actually because they don't get sun. They're deficient in vitamin D. Yeah, or exactly. The, or the sun cream. Yeah. Yeah. And they say that yeah. we're getting less exposure to sun because of the smog that's kind of in our atmosphere. There's less true vitamin D penetrating through to us. Right, right. Yeah, so so those are the, those are the big ones. And then in terms of technology, as I know we're out of time, um, there's a couple devices I'm super, super into right now. The main one is called an amp coil, and that is a combination of biofeedback, sound and vibration frequencies, and PEMF, pulsed electromagnetic fields. And that's used for all types of cleansing applications, parasites, heavy metals, mold, lime, autoimmune. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But it also has a lot of applications for meditation and consciousness and aligning your chakras and doing all sorts of amazing things with that. And it's based on on sound and vibration. Sounds like the gong, a gong bath. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound of the universe. Similar effect. And then um, I do molecular hydrogen a lot. I have a like an inhaler that produces gas. I'm on that every day. And then I have something called a nano V that makes a fine mist of water that's called exclusion zone water that makes your uh, the proteins in your body um, fold and unfold how they're supposed to. It's really geeky stuff. Basically, it's good for your mitochondria. Oh, my gosh. I've got to come over and play with all your little contraptions and gadgets. There's a lot of contraptions. Oh, and the last one is red light therapy, photobiomodulation. There's a device called the Juve, and it's a big um, panel or panels, plural, depending on you know how you set, set up your um, modular system. But you stand in front of this red light, and that improves your uh, production of collagen. So it's really good for your skin, muscles, scars. All the buzzwords are being said. Yeah, right and it's, it's really good for here. your mitochondria and regulating your circadian rhythms and producing um, the hormones that you're lacking in, and primarily testosterone for men and women. So the Juve red light, you stand in front of it naked for about 10 minutes, ideally twice a day. And it's a very narrow spectrum of light that exists in the sun at dusk and dawn when there's no blue light and it's just red light. So you're, you're magnifying the intensity of a, a light that's natural in nature but kind of harnessing that part of nature through a device. So wow. blue light bad, red light good? Yeah. Well, blue light's good if it comes from the sun mm-hmm. and it's the middle of the day. Like you want sunlight in your eyes and on your skin. I mean, obviously not staring into the sun, but I mean going out on a bright day and acclimating yourself to not need sunglasses. If you need sunglasses, your body is not in alignment with nature. And you need more sleep yeah. as well. Yeah. What Humans about for did... super hypersensitive people? 
Well, you do it slowly, just like cold therapy. Mm -hmm. You start out doing a hot shower and then you turn it cold for five seconds at the end. And the next day you go for 10 seconds, 15 seconds and so on until like now I just get in the shower. It's all cold water every single day. I never do that. It's a Kundalini thing, isn't it? Are you doing sadhana? No, I just been doing cold showers forever (laughs) because I just don't like a hot shower in the morning. It's like making me sleepy. It's not meant to be great for for you as well. So with sun exposure, it's the same thing. Dude, my friend Harry, he's... I always thought he was Irish. Turns out he's Jewish. He's the breed of, of Jews that's like super orange, you know, covered huh. in freckles, red hair. I forget what it's called, but it's some special division of, um, of a Jewish um, race. But anyway, he's from Chicago and he's like, oh, I, you know, because we all go out in the sun. We're always naked sunbathing, going to hot springs and stuff. All the homies are like super sun worshipers. He's like, oh, I can't. I'm going to sit in the shade with all my clothes on. And I trained him how to do it. Oh, Harry. Yeah, a couple of different things. You you drink tons of chaga tea because it's full of melanin. You take astaxanthin. So there's like internal sunscreens you can take that um, make your skin resilient to sun exposure. And then again, like with the cold water, you do it incrementally, little by little by little. And now Harry's got like a beautiful golden oh, tan. Oh, he has been biohacked. By yeah, and I he can it. go out in the sun like a champ, you know. I mean, maybe a, I would say not like everyone, not like an olive skin person like me. He has to have a little bit of awareness. I'm sure he could still burn. I don't really burn, but he could, but he doesn't burn. He knows his threshold and he's built up where now he gets sun and his vitamin D levels are up and he sleeps great and he's he's living a dream just from like letting go of that preconceived idea that, I'm fair-skinned, I have freckles, I have red hair, I can't go in the sun or I'm going to get cancer. He just overcame that by using um, a little bit of discipline and, and having a, a, a plan. Yeah, and having life. a plan, you know, not just going about it willy-nilly, but actually really wow. dialing it in. Okay, yeah. so can you give us the, the, the bullet points on the natural side? We have... Sun exposure, hot and cold exposure, breath work, Mitigating blue light, and then I didn't cover it and I won't because it's too long, but also building an awareness around EMF or non-native EMF exposure. We're going to have a whole episode on that. And doing everything you can to fix that. Between that and blue light, that's that's humanity's entire problem. Like Mm -hmm. any health problem is that. I totally agree. Period. And if you have a debilitating or chronic illness, you will not recover if you don't deal with the EMF in your environment. I totally agree. Period. And they feed viruses and parasites yeah. and, and any kind of imbalances important. in yeah. your system. That we're constantly growing them with exposure to our phones, exactly. to the laptops, to the TV. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. And, and no one you know, really knows there's about There's more it. awareness about it, but not, not enough. We're getting there. We're getting you have there. an incredible episode I listened to on EMFs. Yeah, you, that was you, a good one. You were at some convention. You guys were like huddling in the corner of some room about to get <laughs> yeah. busted any second. We were at Paleo FX and I, like, I, stole the, I stole the press room without permission. That's right. Yeah. It was exciting. I live by this principle. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. <laughs> I love that. I know. You yeah. guys are like BFFs. <laughs> yeah. I'm like already <laughs> fantasizing about coming up for a superfood smoothie and trying out all of your little biohacking yeah, things. I've got, I've got some good elixirs going. Great. I bet. And then on the technological side and... Obviously, all of our listeners can go to your website, which we're going to drop in a second cool. because you'll have all of this information on your website. Totally, right? yeah. I, I build an online store where I don't sell anything, but I just put all the links and like discount codes and stuff for all the things because I was getting so many emails. What was that thing you said here and yeah. there? And it's like, I can't keep track of it all. So I'm like, cool. I just hired a VA. And anytime I find something cool, I have them put it on my site. And so, yeah, it's all perfect. It's all there. And so quickly step us through the technological things. Techside is the Juve red light therapy, uh, clear light infrared sauna. Um, Next would be the amp coil, which is biofeedback and PEMF. Next would be the nano V. 
then the vital reaction hydrogen inhaler, uh, vibration therapy. There's a bulletproof vibe uh, that you stand on. That's amazing too. And I think those are, yeah, those are kind of the big dogs. Those are the, the ones that I'm using literally every day. Welcome amazing. to 2019. And that was can, amazing. <laughs> you can find all that on Luke's website, which we're going to link to our show notes. Yes. Cool. Wow. Yeah. That was amazing. I'm so amped up. I heard amp a couple of times in there and that's how I'm feeling right now. Thank you so much, Luke. That <laughs> was, sure. I, we could keep going for hours, but we're running short on time. It was good. Yeah. We, that was a nice, actually pretty concise, you know, yeah, uh, I think a value packed conversation. So thank good you. Time. Thank you. Here's hoping. And we offer our listeners an invitation at the end of every podcast um, aligned with the topic we're covering where they can um, try on some of the things we're discussing to amp up their life. So what do you think is a good invitation for our listeners to try on some element of biohacking? Or we talked a lot about divine union and mindfulness and being the neutral witness. What do you think would be good for our listeners to take away as an assignment for this week? I would say on the metaphysical to get trained in a meditation practice if you're not already. If you all, meaning getting trained, like don't just try and figure it out yourself. Oh, what's meditation? Sit there and like make my mind stop. You will hate meditating if you think it's about <laughs> making your mind stop producing thoughts. It's, it's never going to happen. That's what the mind does, you know. Um, and if you're someone that already has a meditation practice, I would say, Let's all see if we can get up from the cushion, the proverbial meditation cushion, um, which for me is like a chaise lounge. <laughs> I don't really nice. have a cushion. But it's to get up from that and see if we can actually take the meditation into traffic, into work, into our interactions with people at the DMV, our interactions with everyone, you know, and stay in that meditative space and prolong it so it's not just a practice that you start and finish in the morning or afternoon. Beautiful. Um, and then on the physical... I would say um, unless you're one that lives in a very rural area and you're just constantly in nature, which is you know not many of us, um, if you live in a city, to commit to at least one day a week where you get out of the city and you disconnect and you get into nature. That's like the easiest physical biohack that's going to have the most profound effects. And while you're out there, get some sun, try to Take get Take your in, shoes off. Yeah, grounding. Yeah, grounding. Jump in a cold pool of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the things. I do that every every Sunday. Nature's I just play I have a hard and fast rule, which, you know, everyone's like this. I have a garage, like a estate sale, garage sale I'm doing this Sunday. So I'm going to be nice stuck plug. in the city. Details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I own a, a business called School of Style. It's an online fashion school. And we're now online. We don't do live classes. So we're paying money for this office that we don't really use or need anymore. More so we're selling all this great, you know, the designer furniture we collected over the years. So this Sunday I won't, but every other Sunday I get out of the city, I jump in some water, I do breath work, I get sun, I I walk around and pick, you know, leaves and crush them and smell them mm, and just I get do that too. you know what I mean? Like get pine needles and just mm, smell the pine oil. And, yeah. Yeah. And just getting in touch with nature. I think that's the you know, Huge. those are like the free and easy access things that just require a little bit of discipline to habituate. And then the last one I'll say, because I didn't mention this, if you have access to a float tank or what's also known as a separate um, uh, um, sensory deprivation, deprivation chamber, that is life changing too, especially if you're someone that struggles to meditate because that will force you to meditate. Wow. Yeah. Done and done. There's wow. the reset button, everyone, right there. 
Thank you so much, Luke. That was incredible. Wow. Well, there you have it, guys. (laughs) Luke has just handed you the formula to the best life ever. So thank you, everyone, for being with us today. And I hope you take on that invitation. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please spread the love, share the light, and um, leave us a review and share this episode. And we are really excited to have you with us next week. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Jenna. TTFN. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.